Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Again, the, the question, at least at the start, uh, that seems to lie behind our reading this morning is, God, are you listening? Like, do you, do you see what is happening? Do you hear this, right? Are, are you listening? Uh, and to kind of help us into that question, I was reminded of an experience as a kid of reading the Sunday comics. Uh, and that, that, that came out in the newspaper for the generations of people that are unfamiliar with these forms of media. Uh, it was delivered to the home, you know, like, you know, like uh, the thin paper and ink and uh, all the works. And, uh, but on Sundays, the comics were in color and uh, they had it, they had, there was always a section in those comics, uh, at least in my hometown, called Slylock Fox. And I have a picture here uh, of Slylock Fox. And it was just this collection of games, right? You see the top one there, which two pterodactyls are exactly alike, but uh, and you could engage with this in varying to varying degrees. But the one the, the one I liked uh, particularly was uh, on the bottom right there, which I have a, a close up image of that one. Uh, was the spot the six differences between these two images? Anybody want to? Uh, you guys, you just want to give you a minute to to take a look. Uh, I, I could leave it up there, and then you would be entertained all morning uh, while I just rambled on up here, but. Um, anybody want to, uh, to tell me a difference that you see uh, or, or notice? I don't know. If... Baseball glove. We got one. Bat. Yep. The tree. That's three. Three down, three to go. Chimney is four. The mouse's tail would be number five. I'm not sure. I re- Oh, number six. I had to cheat on number six. So... Uh... Uh, well, someone said the tree. Uh, yeah. How long do I let you sit in this tension? Uh, someone said baseball bat. Oh, the say again. Uh, it wasn't the cat's whisker. At least not the answer they gave. Uh, there is a sixth one. Someone said maybe there's not, but there is. Shall I just tell you? No. <laughs> Oh, well, just know that uh, the longer you take, the longer I'm going to preach. So, uh, I'll I'll narrow your focus. Uh, It is it is in the it's somewhere in the person holding the bat. Uh, It's in the batter. There's a difference in the batter. It's the hair. Yeah, there's less hair under the bill, right, man. Uh, so uh, there you go, right? You, uh, you're welcome for that. If this was so rivetingly fun for you, uh, a quick Google search of Sly Like Fox will unleash hours of fun for you this Labor Day. Okay, uh, but but I thought about uh, my experience with with this with this comic uh, and uh, Habakkuk's prayer of lament here, really, right? So, but because you get the sense, right, as Habakkuk is praying, as Aaron read for us, and I know this seems apparent, but behind uh, this prayer, it, there's, Habakkuk is evaluating the world around him, the circumstances that, that he's living in. And uh, in his evaluation of these circumstances, he's, he's lamenting something has clearly gone wrong. Right, uh, that the, there is a sense behind this. As he looks around, he's left with the feeling that something is wrong with this picture. Right, something is missing from this picture. Something is wrong. Um, I mean, notice the words 
I won't read them all again, but uh, just some of the words that sort of rise to the surface here. Violence, iniquity, wrong, destruction, strife, contention, happy Sunday, everybody. Have a great Labor Day, right? Like when when he looks around, uh, he, he acknowledges and laments, he understands these words, these experiences, they don't belong here. Something is wrong with, with this picture. Again, just to give a bit of context that I think is helpful as we just reflect for just a moment uh, on Habakkuk. Uh, what, what, what he's saying here, okay, is that these words, they, they, don't, they don't belong here, they don't fit here. And I think here is an, an important point word in, in, in this sentence. Where is here for Habakkuk, right? As he looks around and laments this condition, uh, all of these words, well, what's he looking at? What's he talking about? And, and I just think we need to point out here right from the get-go that, that uh, Habakkuk is looking uh, at, at his home, right? At his, at his own group of people, the people of Israel, the people of God. He's not looking at, at this point in the book. It will come. He's not pointing the finger out there, Right? He's not sort of pointing it all out there. The, the, the finger is, is inward. It's, at, it's at, at, at the people of Judah, the people of God. We saw by way of introduction last week that, that Habakkuk is, is looking at the, the nation of Judah. So in the story of the Old Testament, just to recap, the, the, the nation of Israel had divided into two kingdoms, Israel in the north, Judah in the south. Israel had already fallen under the thumb of the Assyrians and Judah like is is poised to fall as well this time under the threat of the Babylonians and uh, Habakkuk is looking at the people of Judah his people and and recognizing uh, something has gone wrong right that that this is the people who who uh, we we are God's people his expression of righteousness in the world and and he's looking around and what he sees uh, doesn't doesn't match, uh, doesn't line up, that there is, again, something missing here. And I, I, I think it's important. I, I think this is a, just an important detail for us to consider uh, for a few reasons. One, I think it's just really easy for us to just kind of point the finger of unrighteousness all around. And uh, Habakkuk is, is calling his own to task here in this moment uh, as he calls God in, into this space. But, but I, I think, again, it's just important for us to remember because uh, we'll see it over and over again in the story of God's people. So one of the, uh, it, it, whatever your practice of reading scripture might be, and we try to do it here at Park City and different expressions of the church will, over the course of the seasons of the church, just kind of work their way methodically through the whole of scripture. Because particularly in the Old Testament, what you discover through that uh, process, sometimes slow, sometimes grueling as you're reading Leviticus and just the list of names and numbers and all, all of those things. Uh, but what you find is that over and over and over again in the story of God's people, uh, things often go very, very wrong. That, that uh, the, the New Testament language uh, for this uh, that we might use would be sinners. That we are sinners. People are sinners. Uh, this, this is its expression in Psalms in the Old Testament. And then again in the New Testament, Paul will say it like this in Romans. There is no one righteous. No, not one. And what that does, I think, a couple of things, uh, but it just exposes the pull towards self-righteousness in all of us that it's clear the human heart uh, is broken. And Habakkuk is lamenting this truth, this reality, that as he looks around at at the people that God has chosen 
to express his goodness to the world and realizes, ah, this has clearly gone sideways. Uh, in fact, the last word here uh, of our reading, he says, the wicked, him and the righteous. So there's this remnant of people that are, that are holding on to faith in God, but, but, but things have, have gone sideways. And uh, so he says, the wicked, him and the righteous, so that justice is perverted. And that, that word is, is, is crooked. Th- things have gone, uh, have gone sideways. Uh, crooked. Habakkuk looks around, looks at... At the people of Judah, people called and intended to be, again, God's expression of righteousness. And, and uh, we'll see what that looks like in just a moment. And, and, and recognizes, well, you know, we've lost the plot, right? Things have, things have gone uh, sideways. Something is wrong with this picture. And, and uh, I, I want to invite you to consider maybe a question, uh, another sort of question in this conversation. How does he reach this conclusion, all right? And again, it seems kind of apparent, right? Like uh, all of those words like destruction, violence, and justice just seem on the nose, like inherently wrong, so clearly. But, but I, I want you to think, I want to invite us to think about how does Habakkuk come to that conclusion? Like what motivates that assessment for him? Uh, what, what prompts him to reach this conclusion as he sees these things to lament uh, that they have these are a reflection of how things ought not to be. And I think uh, the rest of the book is going to go on to reveal this answer uh, more explicitly, more, more directly. Uh, but um, his complaint here, again, acknowledges that something is wrong with this picture. And, and what lies behind uh, this prayer is, is not just that something is wrong, but it's clear that Habakkuk has a really clear vision of what is right. Right, that for him to, to kind of to, to look around and, and acknowledge, and things have gone sideways, that for Habakkuk the prophet, the, the, the mediator in this context between God and his people, uh, he has a really clear sense of what is right. And in, in Habakkuk, that vision is specifically a vision of who God is, of his character and his, his way in the world. That, that the, the, the way that he works, his purposes and his character as they're expressed in the world, he has a really clear picture of what those are. And as he looks around, he, he, he calls God to task because he says and acknowledges, he's witnessing that so much of what I see is in direct opposition to who I know you to be. And as we've sung this morning, goodness, faithfulness, that, uh, that, that, that uh, righteousness, as we'll see in Habakkuk. But that as he looks around, what he sees, uh, he knows is wrong because it's in contrast to what God has revealed to be true of, of who he is. Uh, maybe it might be helpful for us to maybe consider um, just one description of God's character. All right, so we're we're living in the Old Testament world. Uh, So what would have shaped Habakkuk's view? Uh, Later on in the book, he's going to reference particular moments from their history, like the Exodus, like the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. These are moments that are going to pop up. They've shaped shaped the consciousness of God's people in the Old Testament. But I want to take you to just a, a, a short passage in Deuteronomy. And again, by way of context, Deuteronomy is, is a foundational book uh, for everything else you'll read in the Old Testament and on into the New. But for the people of God, uh, one, one word you'll use to describe those first five books is the Pentateuch. These are foundational books. 
right? These are the books that were on repeat in the car. For me and my children, it's Junie B. Jones and whatever else we've found at the library. Uh, but uh, for the people of God, as you're reading scripture, uh, Deuteronomy is one of those books that was just, was on repeat, it was a revelation of, of who God was, foundational, the, contains those moments of the Ten Commandments and Sinai, and uh, it just, uh, again, a foundational. In fact, the actual book, the book of the law and Deuteronomy, pops up again and again in the story of the Old Testament. Sometimes they lose it, and then they find it again, and they dust off the cover and, and sort of return to who they were. It gives them a sense of who they are because it reveals to them who God is. So... Given that background, listen to Deuteronomy's description of God's character. This is just one example, mind you, but in Deuteronomy chapter 10. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Goes on to say, yet that great God has set his heart on you. So live accordingly. And then he continues, for the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, right? These are words we can champion. These are words our culture, socially, politically, nationally, all kinds of ways, these are words we can get behind, right? Like these words make you want to stand up and cheer. Maybe not. not these, they do that for me. I, I don't know, right? But you read this description, mighty, awesome, great, and uh, given that, listen to what follows, right? So this is a description of his character. Now listen to what immediately follows uh, as, the, as their expression on the earth. The awesome God who is not partial, who takes no bribe, who executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner or the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. So of all the descriptions that could have followed, awesome, great, incredible, uh, here in this moment we get a glimpse into uh, a picture of God's character and purpose as it's expressed in his people. His righteousness, you might say. And you can hear it. You can hear that in Habakkuk's complaint. Right? God, I know this is how you are. Right? He's been steeped and rooted in, in Deuteronomy and, and these revelations of God's intervention and, and his people and his expression of righteousness. This has saturated his heart and his mind. He knows, God, this is who you are. And then he looks around. The very people meant to be the expression of that character in the world. And all he sees is violence, iniquity, wrong, destruction, strife, contention. As Deuteronomy will go on to point out, these, when they show up, Habakkuk says, your righteousness can't tolerate these things, right? I know this to be true of you. You, God, judge these things. These, these are not reflective of your way. And yet, as Habakkuk looks around, he says, in this case, God, you seem to be uncharacteristically silent. You seem to be silent. And so behind this prayer, right, we, we will land on hope, I promise. But behind this prayer is Habakkuk lamenting and, and, and calling God into this space. Because again, like the picture we started with, he knows what is to be true. But then he recognizes that there's some tension. There's a difference in what he's experiencing specifically among God's people. 
And in this moment, he says, God, you seem to be silent, and that is not reflective of who you are and what I know to be true of you. And out of that comes this, this kind of question, are you listening, right? It, that the feeling behind this prayer is, God, are you listening? Do you even see what is happening? It, it, it reminds me, again, in a really flawed and human way of an interaction I frequently have with my children, um, both of them, I think, uh, but uh, oftentimes, you know, maybe the night before, we're kind of talking about the plan for the next day. Maybe we're going to do something fun or go play disc golf or uh, paint our nails. I don't know. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the plan and then we go to sleep and we wake up and inevitably, you know, it's quarantine. Life is weird and you're trying to work and do other stuff and you just kind of keep pushing them off. I'm like, oh, well, maybe later, or maybe tomorrow. And inevitably, uh, inevitably, uh, the dreaded words. I hear them frequently, but you said, right? But you said, and, and I, I got to be honest with you. I always respond with patience and grace. And, um, uh, but, but I hear in a much less impetuous way and in no way rooted in the flaw of the one to whom the question is addressed. I hear that same urge in Habakkuk, but you said, you are good and faithful and righteous. You care for the fatherless and the widow and the foreigner. God, you, this is reflective of who you are and yet, right, you, you hear it there. But you said, are you even listening? We're going to see in the coming weeks that uh, in this conversation with God, that Habakkuk is having, God replies, he gives him an answer. And just, I don't want to give it all away here, but a hint at where he said it in just the next verse that we'll read next week. God will say to him, look, look among the nations, see, wonder, and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Look, see, wonder, be astounded, observe. God's answer in that moment to Habakkuk, we'll have a reference uh, in, in his immediate context, which we'll see. And it's important for us to consider that. And then we'll step into that next week. But this morning, as I, I, I hear that response, again, maybe Habakkuk's feeling is one that you relate to on a personal level, maybe on a cultural level, uh, maybe as you take in headlines and, and just the world that we're in, maybe in, in your, your own unique story, uh, this feeling, God, are you listening, right? But you, but you said... Uh, and God will, will answer Habakkuk with reference to his immediate circumstances. But for us here this morning, right, in Overland Park 2020, uh, in, in this moment, you know, what, what, what does that look like? So as we sort of, let's see, which way would be back for you? As we look back, uh, as, as we kind of look back over the arc of the, God's history in, in the world, the churchy word again for this would be like redemptive history, that, that over and over again we see God working to save and express his righteousness. As we sit here this morning, kind of look back over that ark, I think, uh, I think we hear God's answer to this question, but you said, right, are you even listening? I think, I think we hear it over and over again in examples as Habakkuk will rehearse of God's intervention, but, but I don't think we ever hear it any louder than in the person of Jesus Christ. 
That, that what we hope you'll discover here and over these next few weeks, what I hope <laughs> at the risk of just being repetitious, you'll hear every time you come to Park City, is that uniquely in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we hear God's answer to the question, are you listening? Right? That, that, that God became flesh, right? It sounds irrational and uh, a, a little bit wild, but that God became flesh and chose to make his home uh, here. Stepped right into the middle of violence and iniquity and wrong, destruction, strife, and contention. That as, as Paul would say, a Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, but rather became nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Expression of violence and sinfulness and wrong and destruction, if there ever was one. So, to the question, God, are you listening? Uh, even in the details of your life, we, there's no, again, clearer answer than Jesus. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm in the process of reading this little book up, about listening. And, um, uh, uh, I don't know, if you had to rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, are you a good listener? This book is very quickly pulling the rug out from under whatever sense of self-righteousness I felt here. And uh, so, you know, in an effort to be a better husband and father and pastor, uh, you know, this book was recommended to me by Jess. No, I'm just just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Just, that was a total joke. but it's just been helpful for me. But over the course of this, this little book, again, you know, we'll see how I feel about it when I'm done. But there was the, she had a, provided a definition of listening. Uh, I'll, leave it, I'll leave it up to you whether, you know, take it or leave it. But I thought it was interesting. She said, listening is about, uh, and I think she's quoting someone else here, but listening is about the experience of being experienced. Right, that uh, the, the sense of listening. So I, I kind of maybe you're like me. You kind of fall into that default. Well, if I just parrot back what I've heard, you just kind of like, you know, speaker listener technique. But but there, there's not like an assessment of what I'm hearing and an, an acknowledgement that oh, I'm 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 acknowledging and experiencing. I I I understand. I more than just kind of hearing it and repeating it back. That listening is about the experience of being experienced. And I think about that quote when I, when I think about what God has done for us in Christ. His words to Habakkuk, I'm going to do a work, I'm going to do a work in you that you would not believe even if you were told. And what could be more outlandish than, than God coming in the person of Jesus and in uh, all of his awesome, uh, all those words we read, awesome, great, all, all of those things, instead uh, of wielding all of that, going, going to the cross, experiencing uh, us, and in response to the question, God, are you listening? We find ourselves maybe in just a bit of this experience, of being experienced, that Jesus has stepped into all of that brokenness. But he doesn't just experience it. He, he judges it on the cross, right? That on the cross, he empties all of that of its power. Uh, he, he exposes it and condemns it. And he takes up all of our crooked ways on the cross and makes them straight. The only truly righteous one. 
that in all of our lives and all of our hearts, now and in history behind us, we are clearly broken. There is no one righteous, not one, not even the people who were supposed to be righteous. And yet Jesus steps into that, the only righteous one, steps into that experience. And in response to the question, God, are you listening, says yes. Yes. So, I, I don't know. Maybe you're wrestling with that question in your own way this morning. Uh, uh, and, and it might look different for each of us. Again, um, maybe it's more broadly. Uh, you know, as your pastor, I, I'm there. As I read headlines and take in the news and look at the world around uh, me and all of the injustice and brokenness that you see uh, so readily that maybe has always been there, but just uh, seems to be coming into sharper relief these days. There is a bit of this question, God, are you listening? Where is your goodness and righteousness and justice? But maybe it's more personal for you and your experience and whatever you may have carried into this room this morning. Uh, Our hope is that you will hear, uh, again, it might be hard to take in even as Habakkuk admits, right? Even if I told you, you, you wouldn't really be able to understand or process it. But in some small way, the hope of God's answer to you Uh, would be seen for you in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.